0: Hi, friends. Welcome to September. Yep, we are nine months into 2020. So just hold on, guys. We're doing the best we can, like period. Anyways, I am so excited and honored to introduce you guys to today's guest, Emily Lay. Yep, I love seeing it because I've been a huge fan of hers for so long, and I'm sure quite a few of my listeners have as well. Emily Lay is the founder of Simplified, a brand of planners and and organizational tools for busy women. Honestly, Simplified is a movement. I don't think it's just even these products. She has been featured in Forbes, Family Circle, Better Homes and Garden, Glamour, you name it. She has been recognized with numerous awards uh, worldwide. Like honestly, I could just keep going. Emily's products have been sold in over 900 stores worldwide. Like just think about that. Like this woman is, she's legit. I'm really excited because today Emily and I talk all things, her journey into publishing, not even just like her planners, but in general, Emily and I actually connected years and years ago, and I'm so excited that now I get to have her on the podcast. She is also the author of national selling books like Grace Not Perfection, A Simplified Life, When Less Becomes More, and um, most recently, that's publishing next year, Growing Boldly, Dare to build a life you love, which is exactly what we're going to be talking about today. Her growth and how she has chased a life that she wants and curated that life for herself. This is a great episode, guys, for anybody that's looking to A, launch that shit, B, scale, and C, anyone at all that's looking for inspiration and motivation to get going or to continue going. If you have anybody that's in that boat at all, please share this episode with them because honestly, I just listened back and I absolutely loved it. Thank you so much, Emily, for being on the Perfect Podcast. And guys, I will see you in the next episode. Bye. Hi, Emily. Hi, how are you? I am very well, thank you. I'm so excited to have you on the Perfect Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to chat.
0: So I'm going to start at the same way I start every single episode. I will have you introduce yourself. Please tell us who Emily Lee is.
1: Yes. So I am a wife, a mom to three. I'm also the founder of Simplified and the Simplified Planner, and I'm an author. So super busy, but like loving life with the little kids at home and just doing all the things like we all are.
0: Yeah, doing doing them so beautifully too, and so with with intention. And one thing that I've always admired about you is that you, you like bring us along with like, you know, like actionable things and just super encouraging, super, super relatable and encouraging. So yes. Thank you. We're going to break down everything that you, well, everything that you are for the purpose of this podcast, obviously, because you are many things. The first part being I like how you just said, and author, like it's, you know, no big deal, but (laughs) really like an author of so many books and like so many things that have really impacted not just me, but so many women. How did you get started? Like, what's the background there with Simplified? Like, how did you get started with running your own business or even owning your own business?
1: So I have a master's degree in nonprofit management and I was kind of climbing the corporate ladder. We lived in Tampa at the time, didn't have kids yet. But I knew that I wanted to have flexibility as a mom. Uh, My own mom was a teacher for almost 40 years. And, you know, she was available in the afternoons and she was able to help be room mom or whatever. I wanted to have that. But I knew I wasn't spiritually gifted to be a teacher, which I, I believe you have to be born with something to be a teacher. And so I was, uh, my husband and I were driving home from Pensacola and we came to visit for Christmas in late 2008. And I just looked at him and I said, I'm miserable in my job. It was an amazing program. I was working for the women in leadership and philanthropy program at a big state university. Mm -hmm. But I was like seeing all of these women that were just doing big things and taking risks and, supporting their community and their families and just doing all kinds of stuff. And, and I was like, I want to, I want to be like that. I want to have my own thing. I don't really feel like my dream job is out there. And so I want to see if I can kind of make something, but the goal was to create just like a little hobby business so that I could be a stay at home mom and still contribute financially to our family. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know anything about graphic design or how to make products or anything. So I watched all the YouTube videos and Googled all the questions and started sharing my really transparent journey and the ups and downs on, at the time, it was Twitter and Facebook. Mm -hmm. And things just kind of grew from there. Um, When my son was born, I eventually left that job after two years of working like in the middle of the night, not taking a paycheck. Yeah, I left the full-time job. Started Simplified and created the Simplified Planner in 2011 after my son was born and I was a totally overwhelmed mom looking for a tool to help me keep it all together. And really, everything has taken off from that. Um, and then the books kind of came a little bit later. But the most fun about what I do is that Simplified's now you know a big company with nine employees. We're all remote. We're all women, and we don't just make a product. And I think that's what's been the most fun about the growth over the last 12 years is that we are really encouraging women, empowering them, educating them and making tools to help them simplify their lives. So it's been a long journey, but it's been a lot of fun. It,
0: it has been. It's it's interesting because I think I started following you probably like maybe even like six, seven years or more. It was when you were um, right. you were still doing Making Brands Happen with Lara. Yes. And it's so incredible to see how I'm not surprised by any means. Let me just say that now. But like it's so, it's so incredible to see how much your brand, like your personal brand and then simplified, has catapulted since then. It's not, it's not luck by any means. It looks like it's yeah. you can the great thing about you is that you're very vulnerable and like open about your struggles and processes, basically. Yeah. Wow. It's wild like to look it, back it, at the journey. It is wild. It's so wild, Emily, and it's something that obviously I'm sure and I hope that you are very proud of. Okay. And one thing that I just realized is that you're actually it's so interesting because you said it. So you taught yourself graphic design, basically, like you obviously what yeah. do you watched the YouTube and things like that. But you are self-taught.
1: Totally, totally self-taught. Yep. And yeah. <laughs> when I first got started, I had a Microsoft PC and Microsoft publisher. And anybody who's a graphic designer is cringing because those are the worst things to use. (laughs) That's all I have. And we, you know, and I I think it's important to say too. From the very beginning, we wanted to run. I say we because my husband um, has always Mm -hmm. been my, you know, biggest supporter. But we wanted to run the company debt
0: free, and we have for twelve years. And so that's something. Yeah,
1: Yeah, so we had to use what we had. You know,
0: I think that that is so impressive, actually, because that's actually something. Because I was listening to another interview that you did. I did hear the part about being debt-free because everybody always gets, and I mean, obviously, like everybody has a different path to entrepreneurship, obviously, and like, you know, different path to financing. But I think there's something to be said for you and your husband, obviously, like with partnering on this and with the intention of being debt-free from the start. How did you go about like that initial? Because I mean, you taught yourself Microsoft (laughs) Publisher. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I think there's like a scrappiness to being an entrepreneur that like, it wasn't even an option of like, do we go get a loan? Do we take our personal money and put into this? It was like, no, we figured it out. We just didn't have the money to support something that we didn't know, you know, if it would work out. So there's a lot of free resources out there and there are blogs and there are free YouTube videos. And they're just, I just took advantage of as much as I could, like trying to soak up and learn as much as I could. And then I would use free resources. Like at the time Etsy was free. You would pay a percentage of your sales to Etsy, obviously, but I would make, so my very first thing I sold on Etsy was digital monograms and I would design someone a really beautiful monogram for their wedding or their business or whatever. And I would sell it. I sold them for like $5, but I did that on purpose because there was no like cost of goods because Mm -hmm. it was digital, you know? And so I didn't have to like, go out and buy, you know, the paper or the the materials to make that because it was it was digital and that was on purpose so that I could just take every dollar the business made and kind of bootstrap the company, you know, and just like save and save and save. And that's making brands happen when I did the branding work, it was the same mm-hmm. thing. There was not a cost of goods, it was just my time that was being put into branding clients and coaching them and designing for them. And so all of those dollars I saved up to print the first run of planners that we ever did.
0: Wow. I think that people obviously underestimate the power of like digital products as well. I know obviously you do have physical products now, but you just made a great point. It's lower overhead sometimes when literally what you're paying for is the service and the hours, obviously the value of the time that you're putting into this beautiful, like instant product that doesn't require housing or anything like that.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, from there, you just kind of put your, every $5, you put the dollars together. And eventually, eventually I had enough money to buy a Mac. I had enough money to buy Adobe Illustrator to create a website. And so, but before that it was like, what, what services can I use to make a free website?
0: You know, a question that I have, and I think it's because sometimes I, I am super frivolous in my spending and my husband is always like, it's, it's a yeah. bane of his existence at right? the point because spent. I am the um, admire and acquire type when I yep. should really just, There's something my pastor said like five years ago. My best friend always makes fun of me now is like acquire. I'm sorry, admire, not acquire, but I I do both. That's
1: (laughs) good though. That's a good, that's a good phrase. I'm the same way with personal spending. Like, yeah,
0: I'm the same way. It's not,
1: I'm really good about it with the business, but on the personal side, like I need that dress, you know,
0: (laughs) need is the word need, (laughs) but like um, something that stuck out to me now that you said is like you you were putting, you know, obviously that f- the $5 added up and you were able to purchase the things that you needed for your business. Can I ask, how do you go about discipline in that regard in terms of like, you know, professional spending in the sense that it's really important, especially when you are looking to be debt free in the money, in the financing, or like, like you know, in terms of financing your passion, how right. important is the discipline, and how have you been able to manifest that and um, implement that in getting that money back into your business and focusing on the business? You know yeah. what I mean? Because that's where problems start to happen. Which is why, as an attorney, generally, I always tell you to kind of separate your financing so that you don't get in trouble. Absolutely,
1: <laughs> but- yeah. Have a really like thick line in the sand of this is business, this is personal. I mean, just, we just have always kept those accounts completely separate. And, you know, obviously there's laws and things about what's tax write off and what's not, um, or what's a business (laughs) expense. And so we've just always played it like very, very safe in that sense. And we've worked with an accountant to make sure that we're following all the right rules and all of that. But I have just always felt that if you when you have the capital to invest in something, invest in what's outward facing to the customer. So like we invested very early in, you know, as soon as we could afford it in a beautiful brand, communicated the company we wanted to be, what we wanted the experience to be like. And we did that before, I say we, (laughs) my husband always helps me make these financial decisions. It was, he doesn't work for the company, but. We decided to invest in that before Mm -hmm. we invested in like, you know, absolutely the best business cards or the best, most wonderful, um, you know, website platform or whatever. We Mm -hmm. just, I wanted the, the look and feel of the company first and foremost to be exactly what we wanted it to be with everything else. It's like, okay, let's just wait until it absolutely makes sense that this is necessary, you know, to purchase.
0: Okay. Okay. That makes sense completely. I think some kind of priority list of yeah. form would be great in terms of like you know, checkboxing and checking off the things that are like completely necessary, and then the yeah. things that might just be like vanity plates for lack of a better word.
1: Absolutely, and you know what's funny, and I I often think about this that sometimes we think in order to start a company we need a lot of things. Like mm-hmm. we need we need the perfect office. We need the perfect business cards, the best stationery, the best website, but really you don't need a whole lot to get started. And so we let, like, I think that's part of the fear in the early days that we let keep us from moving forward of building that thing that we want to create. We think like, oh, I, I have to be perfectly set up in order to be successful. And you really don't.
0: I completely agree. One of the things that I am known for, at least, and I keep talking about on my pages, is launch that shit, for lack of a better word.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. I
0: and mean, you know what? There's a longer discussion to be had about how women, the pressure on women, is different in terms of perfection. Okay. You know how, like, we're, we are a lot of us because of culture. I'm Nigerian originally, so like in, in African culture, even in Western culture, like there's this whole pressure about perfection and presenting the best presenting a curated front, always as a woman, because that's what we're supposed to, like, that's what we're taught to be about, you know, presenting everything so perfectly that it's not, it's almost unattainable and things like that. So I think we also apply that same lie to our businesses and everybody just thinks they have to have every single thing figured out before they launch that And it's not true. (laughs) Because (laughs) just go ahead. Some people are launching businesses with like, just the basics with the skeleton but a purpose and like direction some mm-hmm. people are launching it and just going because they know that their band their brand is going to be evolving, evolving. But i just think it's so important yeah. to just go ahead
1: yeah absolutely otherwise you'll think yourself into a corner you know yep. you it's just the like the procrastination of perfection of thinking like i need to have it all perfectly there's two phrases that come to mind someone once told me go ugly early and someone else said yep. one is better than perfect and I think about both of those all the time. Like, just do it, you know.
0: I'm writing that go ugly early down because mm-hmm. what? That is <laughs> that right? is like, that fact, yeah. right? Like, mm-hmm. it's better for you to go ugly early and then straighten, fine tune, and perfect the craft as you go, yeah. Than like have those problems in like ten years from now or something. So why not? I love that. Oh, I'm stealing that. <laughs> <laughs> I love. Okay, so um, okay, so that's great. So that's how you started. Like that's how it started. Did you ever feel? Because I mean, obviously, you had come from a more structured background in terms of like a nine to five um, with the women in Liter- leadership program and everything. Especially since you know what <laughs> I think we're always all shackled by our first degrees. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Odds. You have to roll in the path that is um, expected. Especially since you've invested all this education into this particular thing. What was the feeling? when you were deciding to own because I think Brady was born already when you were doing when you you started Simplified, right?
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep. He was itty bitty when I started Simplified.
0: Exactly. So the the attention is even different because, you know, new mom. How were you able to balance that out? How are you able to start running like, you know, raw business and things like that with a newborn? I mean it's it's obviously attainable, but it's always interesting, especially now that we're home a lot. Yes. <laughs>
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. It was really hard. I'm not going to lie. Like it was, it was really hard. And I can remember, um, just having like tons of mommy guilt as I tried to figure it out because I was like, wait, I started this company so I could have flexibility as a mom so that I didn't have to work 60 hours Mm -hmm. a week. And now I'm working like 80 hours a week. (laughs) I have no flexibility. And so at the time I was doing making brands happen, as you mentioned, and it was very structured. Like I had calls all day long. I had lots and lots of deadlines. And I remember when I came up with the idea for the simplified planner, it, that was born out of me. Literally. I remember trying to nurse Brady while on a conference call so that he wouldn't cry while I was on my call. And I was just like, I got off the call and I was crying because it was just, he wasn't interested. The phone call wasn't good. And I was so hard on myself. And that is when I came up with the phrase grace, not perfection. I was overwhelmed, walking in circles around my house. There was laundry piled up in the corner. I didn't have any help with Brady. I mean, it was just a disaster. And it was like one of those, one of those come to Jesus moments where I said, what life do I want? What is it that I want this to be? And, you know, do I want this to be a massive, whatever this business, my business was very much evolving at the time I had products, but then I was doing branding and, the planner was kind of sort of coming to be, I decided that I was in control and I decided that I was going to put some structure in place so that I could create the company and the life that I wanted, that they didn't have to be mutually exclusive. And so that was when, you know, the simplified planner came to be, I ended up stopping branding and focusing solely on the shop That allowed me to have a little bit more flexibility with my time because I wasn't on so many calls and things during the day. Mm -hmm. And as it grew, and it, it grew so fast, as it grew, you know, eventually, like we found ourselves in 800 stores around the world. Now we have licensed collections in Walmart, Target, Office Depot, and Staples. Like So many things have changed. I've found myself at those overwhelming points saying, why in the world did I start this to begin with? It wasn't to, it was not to create a massive company. It was to have flexibility as a mom. And even to this day, when I get overwhelmed, I think, okay, do I have the flexibility I want to have to be the mom I want to be? And if the answer is no, something has to change. And that has been my gut check. Every time that I have had to make a yes or no de- you know, decision, you know, do mm-hmm. we stay in our wholesale program? Do we continue to be in all these stores? No, we cut that whole thing. And, you know, we're able to invest in our customers now and our business has grown because of that decision, but it also gave me more time with my family. So it's been a balancing act over the last few years and 12 Mm -hmm. years really, but every season has looked different. You know, kids in school, kids not in school, having help with the kids, having no help with the kids. Every season has looked different.
0: Oh God. Yeah. So you just literally just did my work for me here because my question was going to be how it has changed in terms of like, obviously simplified when Brady was a baby and simplified now, like simplified yeah. in the, cause that wasn't even a thing that it was in the inception, but yeah. now like how you, you've already even answered my question in terms of how it's like escalated because I mean, there's a conversation to be had around scaling in terms of like, you know, what the initial plan was with the business and what it's been simplified is humongous that's the word I have to use. It's huge. Like it's everywhere and like anywhere at this point in terms of like its reach. So can you describe to me just as easy as you can, what your day looks like now? Cause now Emily is not just Emily and Brady and some twins. I I (laughs) have so much. Yeah. I have so much I can say
1: about this. I wrote a book that comes out in January, January or February. We're still figuring out a real estate, but it's called Growing Boldly, Dare to Build a Life You Love. And I am so passionate about young women entrepreneurs that we think in order to grow, in order to be successful in these roles, that we have to become huge, that we Mm -hmm. have to have millions of dollars in sales be all over the place. Like, I thought the way to grow the company and be successful was to go wholesale, to have customers that bought from our online shop, but really the focus to be to be in all these stores, cause it just sounds so good to say. And so in 2015, I found myself on 48 airplanes that year and I was miserable. And that was when we said, you know what? We are gonna cut, we are, we are gonna define, like what does success look like? What is good? Maybe not great on paper, But what is good and what is good enough for our team and our family? And that was when we said, I said, I want to be directly connecting with our customers, encouraging them, inspiring them. I don't want to be taking care of all these retailers. As wonderful as they are, they're not my target. They are not the women that I want to serve because they're getting their relationship with the customer, not us. And so we, very in a very calculated way, made the decision to cut 40% of our business and close the wholesale program. By investing that time and energy back into our customers, we doubled our revenue the following year. And so a lot of times looking at where you are, if you feel overwhelmed and saying, why in the world did I get into this in the first place? Is the best kind of gut check to making those decisions. And closing that door oddly enough, opened a door for At A Glance to come to us a few years later and say, hey, we get what you're about. And we want to make the simplified line more accessible to more women by creating a licensed collection at a lower price point that we can put in Walmart, Office Depot, Staples, and Target. And I initially declined that offer because I felt like it would lead to more overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And they were fantastic. And they were like, no, we get what you are all about. We want to take this, like we will handle it. You will design the products, you will do the marketing, but we will handle all the other stuff. And it has been the best thing. And so our company now we have nine employees, including myself and my days look, well, my kids just went back to school in person. So prior to this week, my days looked a little crazy as (laughs) all of ours do. But I have a team that is amazing and really like I cast the vision and they run the company and I'm able to do podcasts and write books and, you know, do the creative direction for the year for our products and interact with customers. And it really has grown into exactly what I hoped it would be.
0: I love that. I think I think that's exactly what I was wondering Um, in terms of like, you know, being able to actually still continue to do what you want to do and build yeah. that life that you feel at peace with. Yes. You know, I'm so glad that you were able to figure that out. So we come to a great point now. So you do have um, it's nine employees, including yourself. Building a team is one of those things that gives a lot of people like hard palpitations. Full point, especially when two things are involved: creativity and passion. In terms of like the product that you're trying to like, or whatever it is that you're trying to achieve, you start getting really scared that someone's not going to get it. First of all, a have the same passion that you have in terms of like what you're trying to achieve, but second, also actually have the the mindset or like the direction in which the, an idea of the direction that you are trying to go. So like Mm -hmm. wires get crossed there. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, how did you go about building your team? When did you realize that you needed help? Like, when did you hire your first help beyond you and your husband?
1: Yeah. So it was always just me. Brian has his own thing and he's always been like the the finance guy behind the scenes, but it was always just me until 2000. I think it was 2011 or 12. I knew that the financially we could afford some part-time help. And I knew that my, you know, flexibility as a mom, which is what it's always come back to for me, it was in jeopardy. Like I was just, it was too busy because the company was growing. And so I do not like managing people like at all. And I tell my team that all the time. Like I love them, but I I'll explain like how it works with our team a little bit later. But typically, if you're the creative type of person, people management might not be your best skill set. And so I was scared to grow and, and bring on a team because I wanted to keep doing like the creative stuff, interacting with the customers. I didn't want to be like a manager. So I hired Gina. She was the first person I ever hired. And she was amazing. She literally came to my house, sat next to me. And as I went through my inbox, she would just say, I'll take that. like, I'll take that. I'll take that. And so she and I really became like just teammates um, working together, and. As we grew, we you know, we added on more people, but I wholeheartedly do not hire people because of their skill sets. When okay. possible, I mean, obviously if you're hiring like a CFO, you have to hire someone who knows finances, but with what I do, I have always hired a person for their character and their integrity because that flexibility that I want, I want to extend to my team too. I want them to have the flexibility to lead the lives they want to lead as well. And in order to trust someone to do that and to represent your brand well, you have to know their heart. You have to know their, their integrity, that, that they're trustworthy and that they believe in what you're all about. And so we, I'm, I have been so fortunate to have like very little turnover over the years. The girls that work with me now, some of them like they would come to my house and help me pack boxes with the promise of lunch as payment back in the day. So I feel really fortunate and I don't run the company like a corporation. I run it like a family of people who mm-hmm. share like a really common interest and passion and we're we're, we're a team. I do things a little differently because that culture in our team, I feel like spills over into our community, all the work that we do. And it's it's so vital to, like, love your people well. So, yeah,
0: I love that. Oh, goodness. Yeah. I think it's so important because, you know, there's this whole thing about how they say people won't remember what you've done to them, but they remember how you made them feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's it also goes back in terms of how you handle your team as well It's like the feeling of the team is also just as important as to, as with the compensation, obviously. And because mm-hmm. people people want to be in a place of comfort, people want to be in a place where they feel and it's it's obviously a great accomplishment for you in general that you, you also have low turnovers because people do feel like they are where they are supposed to be and feel comfortable there. So yeah. that's good. Um, another question that comes hand in hand with, um, in terms of team is, uh, compensation. It's pricing. Mm-hmm. One thing that women struggle with and business owners in general, I don't even think it's just women, especially when you're doing something for your own is like coming together and trying to figure out how to price your services. It's one thing for services is one thing for goods. And I think you're the perfect person to talk to, about this because you've been both, you've created a digital product, you've created digital services. Um. Yeah how did you come about coming up with your pricing? You know what I mean? Like, I think even easier with product because then there's question of profit and things like that, but it's really difficult for a lot of service providers to come up with numbers that are right without a underpricing or living with anxiety that they're pricing their clients out or their ideal customer out of the, (laughs) out of the market. So. No,
1: totally. I would love to say that I have a perfect scenario of like how we do it or how I've done it. I, I think we, I've done it wrong in the past, just like everyone has, but I, I do believe that your pricing communicates something about the quality of what you're providing be it the product or the service. And so I also think it's important to price yourself right from the get-go because it's really hard to change it when necessary. We, we actually had to raise the price of our planner's, this last year by $2 because of tariffs being applied. Oh. Um, yeah, so that's been fun, <laughs> but um, I think it's also important, not just that you price it right, but that you show the value of what it is. So like with our planners, uh, obviously with a product, like you can touch it and feel it and see, you know, that it's quality, but we're also providing, you know, monthly coaching to women to help them really get the most out of the product. Um, we also provide, you know, the community, uh, our Facebook group. And and so I think it's important not just to price your prices right, but also to make sure that your what you're providing is unique and robust and, you know, sets you apart so that your pricing, no matter where it falls, makes sense.
0: I completely agree. I think there's one thing, there's a difference in perceived value and even actual value, obviously, but then there has to be that feel. And like, you know, the person feels like they're getting so much more for this one Mm -hmm. list price. So I think, I think that's great. It's so funny that you said that you had to raise your prices by $2, but $2 on the face of it will sound like a little thing, but I'm sure that (laughs) that came with its own stress and everything. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah,
1: absolutely. And honestly, as far as I know, we didn't, we didn't have any pushback on it, but it's important that that you also realize like things change, the environment changes, your costs, you know, could go up. And so, I don't know, it, that comes back to having like a good dialogue with your, your customers and, and that sort of thing too.
0: Yeah, it does. And it also comes down, I think another thing that you had mentioned earlier is also comes down to um, like what the essence or plan for your brand was from the beginning. Yeah. Do you find, you know, a lot of people talk a lot about business plans and things like that. Did you have a business plan from the beginning? No, (laughs) not at all. It's so funny about it. And obviously it's a textbook thing to do. I think it's really smart. Finally, I spoke, I I had spoken to someone else last year and she was a huge like, you know, supporter and advocate for like the business plan process because it's really good for you to have something to go back to. But I just wonder, like, I know a lot of people don't have it and Mm -hmm. still have found success value from like scaling and growing and actually chasing the actual brand and business that they want. I just, I'm just always curious. I think
1: it's a great question. And I, uh, my husband and I were actually just talking about this the other day because he works in private equity and where in the field that he works with, with investors and that sort of thing, you have to have that sort of stuff in place. And so we, we often kind of laugh about how with my company, it's, it's just been done so differently like i i really was just trying to start like a hobby <laughs> to make a little bit of money so i could quit my job and be a stay at home mom but as it as it grew and and maybe this is a business plan but we just worded it differently we had to lo- sit down and say like what is what does it look like when we've quote unquote made it what does it look like when we can say this is it like this is what this is what we want. And to me it was, you know, I would love to write books. I would love to to put these these theories that we're teaching and these you know practices that we're teaching into a book format. And I actually my undergraduate degree is in creative writing. So that was something that was I was passionate about. And then when we realized we had barreled ahead down the path of wholesale and it wasn't right for us during that year, we said, okay, what does it actually look like for us to, have the life that we want um, for the revenue to be where we want, for our team to be where we want, for our, mm-hmm. the day-to-day of home life to be where we want. So that's when we said the online shop, like that's where it's at. And then having the team in place to give me the space to write books, yeah. that's good as well. But but scaling is an interesting thing. And I think a lot of us think like, oh, that's what we need to do. We need to keep scaling and leveling up yeah. and leveling up. That, but that, that's that, the- price to pay
0: you know yeah you know what's so funny that was part of the reason why I wanted you to come on because you've been everything you've been the the startup like the person that's just like doing this which we're going to get into in a few minutes like you know turning a hobby into an actual business but like you've also been in each step you've been in the part where you're like okay wait this is this is not what this is not the original that was not the plan like you know what I mean like the essence of the thing is for me to be have time for my family and also like you know I think what is interesting about Simplified is that you went back because you you might not have had like a physical like very direct financial business, but like Brian might be used to you know for yeah. instance. But like, you still had one from yep. from the break. You just had it still goes yeah. back to figuring out what the essence, what the five year plan was. What 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 does it look like for profitability? What does it look like for contentment and everything? So you still went back to figuring out what the the skeleton was like what yeah. you wanted. Something that a lot of people always just think, and like you've just said, is that there's this scam that we're all perpetrating and that you have to be like scaling is essential. Like scaling, I mean, obviously, profitability is essential in terms of like, you know, what you want to create, unless you're in mm-hmm. the nonprofit, obviously. But I think that everybody just thinks that they want to have this, they have this picture in their head of what success looks like. I want my name to be in every store. I want it to be this. I want it to be that. But you're right. It does come with a lot more problems and it does kind of change the game in terms of what your business is about. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and so I'm glad that I'm glad that you mentioned that. I think that um, people always forget that whole part of it. Yeah. Um, let's let's talk about this. Like you obviously have already told us about how you turned this how your business started, how everything just kind of grew into this, what it is now. One thing that a lot of people always struggle with is even the inception and the figuring out what what hobby they want to make a business. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like for you, you had decided that you wanted a particular life. You wanted to yep. to you wanted to change where you were. And how did you or can you give any advice on how somebody even figures out what to turn into a business? Yeah.
1: Oh, that's such a good question. I really believe that that Simplified was put in my heart at a very young age. I, I've always been like fascinated with organizing. I mean, when I was a kid, my mom and I, like for a fun Saturday, we would clean out my room <laughs> and rearrange it, you know, and like going to buy school supplies was my most favorite thing. And even when I you know, when I was in college and then, you know, in my graduate program, my most favorite part of, of what I was studying was like the creative side of it. And then with jobs that I had after that, I was very interested in like, let me design the flyer that's going to be put up for this event that we're doing, or let me organize, you know, this side of things. And so I think if you, if you still yourself a little bit and you pay attention to that thing that makes you excited that you can kind of like talk about forever, or you forget how long you've been working on something and you look up and it's 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> that mm-hmm. is often the thing because that's the thing that you will work at, that you will get good at, that you will make successful. And if you don't have that feeling about anything yet, it's time to just play. It's time to, you know. Learn how to knit. It's time to go scuba diving. Like it's, it's that's when I think you just put your hands in a lot of different pots and see what feels
0: interesting. You know, I think we limit ourselves in that regard in terms of like just trying to figure out. Oh, one of these things has to work. Like one of the things I have right now has to work. But then there's also something to be said for exploring your options and like just letting yourself live like feel so that you can find something that connect to. That's perfect after doing this for so long like what what keeps you inspired Emily like how because I mean you are creative director and I know that you have a team and everything but I feel like there there needs to be continuous or at least somewhat like like I don't even know like an overflow of inspiration sometimes obviously sometimes it doesn't have to be that but what keeps you motivated and inspired like going forward even now
1: Yeah. Well, what we do is so interwoven with life in general. Mm -hmm. And I really feel like I just get a lot of inspiration from my own struggles. (laughs) You know, this year I've been so inspired by, you know, what it means to implement routine into your days when everything is chaotic. I mean, we Mm -hmm. in March, just like everyone else, found ourselves with three kids at home, you know, homeschooling with three different teachers. And mom who has a business to run and dad who has a business to run. And I was very inspired to like, hey, let's think about products that we could create for next year that will help if these kinds of things continue or if, you know, something else happens. And so I would say it's really day-to-day. I'm a big reader. I love, I love reading. And so I was really inspired earlier this year by two different books. One of them is called Essentialism by Greg McCune. And one is called Grit by Angela Duckworth. And they're both about, well, let me take that back. Grit is about what it means to have gumption and to really like work at something and how that's more valuable oftentimes than raw talent. And then Essentialism is a book that's about taking things that are otherwise complicated and making them simpler. So it was a book that really resonated with me. I absolutely loved it. But yeah, I get a ton of inspiration from that. And then on the design side, we built a our forever home a couple years ago. And so like decorating our house and I've been so inspired by wallpaper and beautiful rugs and on the, on the design side of things.
0: Oh, yeah. gosh, yes. I think that we it's so great and so easier, for lack of a better word, to just find inspiration in the life that you're living yeah, because then yeah. you're able to just be in the moment and like apply that to whatever is happening in your surroundings. so perfect like perfect 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 okay so um emily thank you so much because this has already been so so good Um, we're going to come come back to family now funny enough like and i'm gonna get sappy here but like part of the reason why we connected is because um i had reached out to you as well when i was um going through my infertility and the reason being is obviously like I just felt called to mention something to you because you had blogged about your um, infertility process, secondary infertility with the twins, and oh my god, I remember reading your story about because you had over um what was it stimulation during the IVF oh, process. Like yes, it was it's awful. because of you that I even know <laughs> this. I'm like I yeah. was, um, yeah, I was so shocked, and then everything. I'm just grateful to God that everything worked out for you, but um, there are a lot of women that follow me because of, I had also shared my infertility story. I have a two-year-old now, yeah. thankfully. And um, I think the last time I emailed you was probably when I was like maybe two months away from even getting pregnant. I didn't even realize oh, that. But, <laughs> wow. Yeah, Yes, I think and I was already like four and a half years into my entire and I was weeping and oh. just sending you this email about how I'm just so fed up. And you sent me the sweetest note and told me that I shouldn't like I shouldn't stop. I should just right. keep going. And I thought it was yeah. so sweet. But um, there are a lot of women here who are um, who are going through like weight periods. And it's not necessarily even just like infertility. I think fertility is just fertility related issues is one thing. There's so many weights that people are going through. Mm-hmm. What is your advice for the woman that's in her weight period right now? Obviously, like this question is for fertility reasons specifically, but then it could it could apply to anyone. But like, yeah. what do you have? Because your life has, oh God, I'm going to get happy here. But your quiver is really full in the yeah. sense that you have beautiful children now and everything just like it looks easy on the front of it. But I know that it took a lot for you to get here. Yeah. Do you have any advice for women that are in the weight and just can't see anything other than right now?
1: Oh, man. Yes it's so weird to think about that time in my own life because when it was happening to me, it felt like it would never change. I couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, we tried for three and a half years, three years for our twins and eventually had them via IVF. But I looking back, I see that God shaped me in a way through that, that made me a different person. I mean, I, I really believe that we are refined in those struggles. I don't think I would be who I am right now if I had not had to plead (laughs) for baby babies. (laughs) I mean, I really, I really feel like I grew so much through that. And then I also have another story of waiting when, we finally conceived our first Brady. And I was told at 18 weeks that he might not make it, that he Mm. had all kinds of issues they thought. And we didn't know until the minute he was born that he was healthy and he's healthy and he's totally fine. But that season of waiting for, you know, however many months until he was born was just excruciating. And I, I look back at that and I think, oh, wow, I was made stronger because I had to just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And so my advice would be just that, like, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. If you are dealing with infertility, I wholeheartedly believe that you were given a baby-shaped hole in your heart for a reason. And that hole, you know, God may fill that hole one way or another. It may look different than my, the way our stories, you know, ended up, but I believe that he intends to do something with it. And so even if it's painful, like like lean in, be all there, keep putting one foot in front of the other because i I have just seen with so many friends experiencing infertility, I have seen so many stories come full circle,
0: oh gosh, hundred percent like hundred percent I've seen it come full circle in so many ways, mm-hmm. but that there's a story there, and there's a blessing there that's just incredible that people don't even like we can't wrap our humanity minds around, yeah, and, absolutely. And, 100% agree with that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I'm sorry, I had to bring that up because I think it's so important. Like a lot of women, I found that a lot of my peers, a lot of people, a lot of my friends, a lot of people that are really close to me are going through, um, various aspects of that right now in terms of infertility or pregnancy loss or like something. And it's just, you know, it's so isolating and that people think that it's just like, you know, that they're the only ones in the world because it makes you feel like you're the only one in the world that's going through this for like, like it's so isolating and so excruciating, especially I can't even imagine like, I I do have a friend who's also going through that whole, like holding her breath in terms of finding out if her baby's okay. Or if like, you know, all the problems that they're all the scenarios that they've created is, is, is fact, you know what I mean? And, Mm -hmm. and, and and I didn't even realize that, that was that's what happened with Brady. So it's it's it, somebody listening is listening yeah. for a reason. I'm so grateful. So Emily, let's go back now. Like since we've we've spoken for 45 minutes now and I'm really appreciative. So we're gonna take it so on a lighter note now. So what is your big, you know, we are in um what month are we in now? August. And so so much has changed in terms of plans for 2020 because we've been home since March. In terms of like, if you could transport yourself somewhere right now, like for a vacation, yeah. where would you go?
1: Oh my gosh. I would go to Lake Oconee in Georgia. It's our favorite spot. <laughs> we actually we actually escaped. We escaped there this summer for a little while. We got to go be masked and socially distant, but it's just our happy place. My husband loves it there. My, my husband and my son love to golf. And so there's oh. a big, beautiful golf course and It's just so relaxing. When we were there this summer, Tyler looked at me and he goes, Mom, you're so calm right now. (laughs) And I was like, you know what, honey? I am because I don't have all the laundry to do and all the emails to answer.
0: It was just so funny. I know. Oh, wait, mate. Emily, isn't like emailing just the most tedious thing to ever do for any entrepreneur? I feel like emailing is like, it takes up half of your day in general. It
1: does. Yes, it absolutely does. Absolutely oh, does.
0: God. I love that. That's what Tyler noticed. He's like, wait a minute. This lady is too yeah. calm. In <laughs> Something's wrong. Oh, okay, so that's a good one. What is your guilty pleasure TV show or thing?
1: Fake eyelashes. <laughs> I got lash extensions last year for launch week because I have to be on camera, you know, oh, two hours yeah. a day seven days.
0: Uh-huh. And we so, so I thought,
1: yeah, I'm going to treat myself and I'm going to get lash extensions and see if it just helps cut down on the time it takes to get ready. And I did it for a couple of months. It was like, it's a ton of upkeep and it's super expensive. And so I actually just did it a week ago and I just, I love them. <laughs> it makes I, me feel awake.
0: <laughs> I know. I know exactly what you mean. I got my first fake eyelashes in March when we were going, listen, it's, I feel like I've lived so many lives. In the end of February, when we were going for my mom's 60th in Turks and Caicos,
1: I'm so glad. I'm so Love grateful it, to God did
0: that. Yes. Love it was supposed to be my honeymoon destination eight years ago, but we ended up not going. We went yep. somewhere else but like so my mom was turning 60 she lives in nigeria and we wanted a place where everybody could meet up and i'm yeah. so grateful for that, that we had that because obviously two weeks later life changed but oh uh, wow yeah but um obviously because we all now everybody's locked down in their respectful respectful yeah. countries but um, i did get fake eyelashes because i was like oh i want to look like an island thing and everything right. and it was, <laughs> was so exciting i love it's it like, So I'm going to get it again. It is expensive, but it just makes you look like awake, Awake. and just, and then you can buy. You're not wearing any makeup because I mean, technically, it's eyelashes,
1: right? (laughs) That's awesome. Uh,
0: Okay, so um, what are three goals you want to accomplish in 2020 or 2021?
1: (laughs) Yeah, can I extend into next year? Gosh, goals that I want to accomplish. I want to continue a really good like morning routine that I started uh, oh last week. <laughs> Once my kids started back in school, I started like working out every weekday and um I just feel so good doing it. And so I'm like a week and a half in, so I just want to continue that because I know it re- really makes a big difference in my health. What else do I want to do? Uh-huh. Eventually I want to go to London with my husband. We we had it planned in April, we've never been to Europe um, at all. And he was turning 40 in May and we had to cancel it, obviously. But whenever we can, I
0: can't uh, wait. I, so I know, right?
1: Yeah. Oh, was
0: good. I was born in London. Oh, and, uh, yes, no. I was and um it was like my father had a house there so we used to go there every summer and it's like well, it's it's one of the things i remember fondly about my childhood i think it's something that europe is somewhere to just visit in general so i really hope you get to do that like i said 2020 2021 because yeah right. I-, I-, I think it will be next year yeah okay. i think it's next year i think most all our plans are like actually i was even supposed to oh my goodness we're in august i'm supposed to be in london next week oh my for- gosh was getting married, but he's postponed it to 2022 now I think oh wow um, yeah, wow. just just I mean, I think they will, they will probably do a court wedding and then just postpone that. but um okay, so that's great yeah and um so another question because I know you do like to spend as well. so favorite yeah. thing in your club right now.
1: <laughs> oh, good question. okay. I have this dress that I recently bought and it was a little bit of a splurge. um it's from Tuckernock and it is like a long. It looks like a seersucker pattern, but it's really soft and it's just the perfect, like, I can't leave my house dress because <laughs> it doesn't, like, it's not, it's just so comfortable and it just makes me feel put together. So that one is my favorite.
0: I just went on their website and it, I already, I feel like I, I kind of know what you're talking about because I already love their, they have this seersucker, like, tiered dress yeah. that's calling my, I will oh. be there. <laughs> I love Okay. <laughs> this is the number one question that I feel like is going to decide whether or not we're going to be best friends. Yeah, but um, coffee or tea? Oh, coffee all day long. Okay, so yeah, we are best friends. Uh, (laughs) Coffee is essential to movement and my (laughs) and my behavior. (laughs) Um, Wine or champagne? Wine, definitely. Yes. Okay. You Mm -hmm. clearly we go together now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
0: (laughs) My last question to end this: You are living your perfect life. When?
1: I'm living my perfect life when I feel healthy. Yeah. When I feel healthy, like inside and outside.
0: I love that. I think that's so important. Okay, yeah. Emily, thank you so much for being on the perfect podcast. This was so, um, fun. was so fun. I had no doubt at all. I think that you are, you, you literally are somebody that is truly living, not just in your purpose, but you're taking us along with you. Like I don't know how to explain what I'm saying, but, like, you've just always been open about your process. Yeah. And I think that's what makes everybody want to root for you as well. It's like, you know, you want this person to do well because, like, you feel involved. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. Like, <laughs> yeah. Invested. <laughs> we're, we're, we're together. You know what I mean? Yes. So I think it's great. Um, tell everybody what um, where to find you. Also tell everybody, like, where to find your books. I yeah. so much going on, and for a good reason, so many things that can help a lot of us. So please let us know.
1: Absolutely. You can find me on all the social platforms at Emily Lay. And then you can also find Simplified, my company. And then um, our shop is online at emilylay.com.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Emily. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Thank you for joining us on the
1: Perfect Podcast. For more real-life inspiration, visit our website
0: at perfet.com.